Welcome to Relevant Risk from the Friar Price Risk Management Center of Excellence, presenting conversations and analysis about risk and risk management for food and agriculture supply chain decision makers, from farmers to consumers and everyone in between. This is Relevant Risk. Hello, this is John Anderson, director of the Friar Price Risk Management Center at the University of Arkansas uh, with another Relevant Risk podcast. Uh, here today with a couple of familiar guests, Andy McKenzie. Andy, how are you today? I'm good. Good to be back with friends talking about an important issue again. Absolutely. And Hunter Byram. Hunter, Hunter first joined us only about a week ago for his first podcast and uh, already got him uh, put back to work. Hunter, how are you today? Doing great. Long time no see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're joining us by Zoom from Little Rock, so uh, uh, using making maximum use of our technology here, we hope uh, that it all holds together for us. Got an interesting topic today, a great risk management topic, uh, and one that I think we're all excited to bring in, not that it's necessarily a pleasant topic, but uh, Andy, we have talked for, uh, I don't know how many times in the past six months about the drought and effects of the drought, very difficult production year. And we're sitting here now uh, about halfway through the month of October, and we're still talking about dry weather, but there is a, a different dimension of this, of this weather challenge for us to talk about today. And that is the fact that it has become so dry across the country that the Mississippi River uh, is running at a very low level, close to historic lows from what I see in the news, and that is affecting barge traffic. So let's start just with the kind of the most direct impacts of, of, of this disruption of barge traffic, freight rates. What's going on with freight rates on the Mississippi River? Yeah, so this has been a problem really beginning back in July when water levels have started to go down. And what that really means in terms of getting barges down the Mississippi is that we would have uh, lighter loads coming down on the barges that are still traveling and less barges in the tows which are coming down. So overall, that just means less supply coming down the river. And what that fuels then is a higher cost of getting grain from interior markets down the river to New Orleans for export. And so freight rates uh, have gone way up to, to, to account for that extra cost there. Yeah. Hunter, you had some information, I think, specifically about what freight rates had done. Yeah, so uh, freight rates are uh, at about $75 a ton right now, which is uh, up 257% from or over the three-year average, 172% over last this time last year, and just 63% over last week. Oh, wow. So they've gone up a lot just within the last few days. Just in the last few days, over 60%. So this situation has 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 escalated. Obviously, the drought has been building for a long time, but this situation with uh, shipping on the Mississippi River has escalated pretty rapidly uh, in in recent weeks. Uh, and we care a lot about this in the agricultural world, right? Uh, because a lot of our product moves down the river. And uh, Andy, I would say, as 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 people who work in commodity risk management, there's probably no topic nearer or dearer to our hearts than basis. Yes, basis, which is formally the definition of it is a local cash price less the futures price. And it's important to farmers and grain elevators, merchandisers, everybody up the supply chain has to deal with basis. 
And so let's talk about what these higher freight rates do to basis. Well, one of, one of the factors or the, one of the major components of basis, that differential between futures and cash, is transportation of freight costs. So when you get an increase in those, that's going to make the basis get wider. And in effect, from a farmer's point of view, the basis goes uh, more negative and their cash prices that they get to sell at are lower in comparison to the futures. Okay, so we talk a lot about determinants of basis, so those things that affect the spread between cash and futures prices. And, you know, I, I, I've, you've, you've taught this material for a long time. I taught this material for a long time. One of the things that I would always say to students is that basically – Anything that impedes the flow of product, especially at harvest time, is going to show up as as a, a, a bigger spread between cash and futures prices or, to, to, to use the appropriate terminology here, a weaker basis. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it from a grain company's point of view, the cost to get it down the Mississippi River, that's going to be directly incorporated into their bids to farmers. Right. So if freight rates go up, they're going to lower their bids on what they're willing to pay farmers. And that has the direct impact of giving you a more negative or a lower basis. So let's talk about what basis has done lately uh, along the Mississippi River. Uh, you've got some numbers or Hunter, you have some numbers on that? I got some. I mean, I was looking at it just today, and I was looking at some river market locations, and I was seeing something like a dollar to a dollar thirty under the futures right now. So on soybeans. On soybeans. So that would yeah. mean that the cash bids for current delivery are a dollar. What'd you say? A dollar thirty. A dollar thirty lower than the, the futures. The futures price. Right oh now. yeah, uh, the November futures price. Right. And also, I think similar numbers even for corn. I was seeing it as well. Even a dollar thirty under for corn as well. Yeah, I was right. seeing one fifteen under at Helena and one thirty under for West Memphis on corn. Okay. So that's again to use the terminology. Uh, that's a weaker or a wider basis than normal. The spread between the cash and the futures is a bigger spread than it is normally at this time of year. That's right. I mean, if you think about it just in terms of selling today in the cash market, again, what that means is farmers are going to be getting a lower price relative to the futures on what the basis is doing right now. Right. And if they've actually ahead of time tried to use the futures market to hedge their positions, then their effective price that they end up getting at the end of the hedge is weaker or lower too because the basis has gone against right. them. And so let's come back to that in a second because I, I do want to to ask this question of, you know, okay, who cares? The basis is wider, but prices are still really high, so farmers are okay. I think there's a couple of things to unpack in that. One is those cash prices, those cash price bids are much lower than they were just a week or two ago. Uh, they are much lower than we would normally expect them to be relative to the futures market, although we're still at a fairly attractive price point for the most part. But another issue here, in addition to, okay, prices deteriorated over the last couple of weeks, we don't like that. The widening of basis reduces the effectiveness of the risk management strategies that farmers put in place. That, that is correct. And what we're also seeing, though, interestingly, is if you look at some later delivery periods, say for the post-harvest period, so I'm talking about November, January, then the basis is actually being offered at higher levels for those delivery periods by these same river elevator facilities. And so what they're really saying is, these facilities, hey, we don't need the beans right now. 
we kind of even move them and get them to export, but we'll take them in a month or two's time and we'll give you a better price for them at that point. Right. So the return to storage should be pretty significant over the next couple of months if, if, if farmers have storage available. If you have storage available, you can uh, make some returns on that storage. You're right, John. And similarly, even we're talking about basis here, but even in the futures market itself, we've seen recently over the last week, uh, the soybean futures prices for the deferred contracts. So I'm talking March, January, March and May uh, futures versus the November contract for harvest. They've, the March one has probably gone up about 20 cents over the last week, the May about 30 cents a bushel, uh, the January a little bit less, maybe up to about 10 cents. But again, what that's saying is the market is telling people, I'll pay you more if you wait and store the grain for me and give me it at a later date. Okay, so the market is saying we don't need it now because we can't move it. We're hopeful that we'll be able to move it later and so bring it to us later and it's worth more that's exactly i mean the market is 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 really an interesting beast it, it tells you or gives you signals on what to do and that's what the signal is right now yeah yeah so one thing uh, that i wanted to talk about related to this is uh uh let's think specifically about beans uh, if farmers have priced their beans they're probably not that concerned about this situation. They've got a price established, or they they locked basis in and and, and pulled the trigger on a on a price at some point in the in the, in the growing season. Uh, this is really a, a bigger issue on unpriced grain, the, the the beans that they produced that they didn't have booked already. Uh, and uh, I've talked to our colleague Scott Styles, who has joined us on the Relevant Risk podcast several times before. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't be with us today. Scott estimated that, you know, 40 to 60 percent of beans in the Delta had been priced and the rest were unpriced right now. And so we're subject to this deteriorating price situation that we've seen. And uh, that actually seemed like, given the strength of prices through this growing season and the good opportunities to price, that seemed like a fairly low percentage as we're sitting here at the end of the year. But there's a reason that farmers would have been reluctant to price grain this year. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if we look at the options on how you can lock in a price ahead of time, you can go to the futures market directly and do it through that. But another way, and probably more common for farmers, is to book a forward contract with their local co-op or elevator. The problem with that is if they don't make the production, then they're going to get penalized by that elevator for all of the bushels they aren't able to deliver on their contracts. And that's where you're hitting the nail on the head, John, because we had all of these drought-related weather effects, and people were really scared about maybe not making good yields and getting right. the bushels. So there was a lot of concern about overbooking and then being stuck for that difference between what I could actually produce in a drought-affected year versus what I had booked and had to deliver, was on the hook to deliver. That's exactly right. And I think this is the sort of perfect storm this particular year because we did have very high prices. So we had the opportunity to book ahead of time. But by the same token, we did have these weather-related events in terms of drought, which made people a little apprehensive to not overly book ahead of time. Right. Now, Hunter, that's where I want to bring you into the conversation on this, because, you know, you you, you uh, do a lot of work with crop insurance, as, as we talked about on, on the last podcast, actually. And, you know, one of the intents for the crop insurance program is that it uh, 
it, it protects farmers against the financial impact of those short crop situations so that they can book with greater confidence, maybe book more aggressively. That is, crop insurance is supposed to be a complement to their other pricing strategies and allow them to, to, to price more earlier than they might otherwise would. Could you ex- unpack that a little bit, explain kind of how that's supposed to work at least? Maybe I'll start with just revenue protection insurance. Um, so uh, in in crop insurance, uh, the uh, programs that RMA administers and rates, there's going to be two primary types of uh, revenue insurances, and that's going to be revenue protection, so RP, and there's going to be revenue protection harvest price exclusion. And um, so the key difference in revenue protection and harvest price exclusion is that you get to essentially roll the dice on the prices twice with RP. So there'll be projected price versus harvest price. And I'll talk about that in just a second. And then with the RP, the guarantee will be determined by only the uh, projected price rather than either the projected or the harvest price. So the way the RP works is there's going to be a guarantee. It's going to be calculated by the APH, which we talked about last week, the actual production history. So it's going to be some it's going to represent some expectation of yield, some expectation of production. So there's going to be that's the, the the yield level that the producer can insure. That's right. Yes, and so there'll be some expected yield times either the higher of the projected price calculated by RMA or a harvest price calculated by RMA. So there's your yield times price times some coverage level that is chosen. We talked about coverage levels last week. So the projected price is going to be calculated in some period in the winter time or springtime for Arkansas, uh, for, for corn and for beans, that projected price period is going to be somewhere, it's going to be mid-January mid, mid to mid-February. And then the harvest price actually for soybeans is being discovered, so to speak, right now. And so that's from October 1st to October 30th. Corn is odd crop out. It's August 15th through September 14th. So uh, depending on which one of those prices, either the harvest price at planting or essentially the heart, the, 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 sorry, the futures price at planting or the futures price at harvest, depending on which one of those is higher, can give you a higher revenue guarantee. And that's on RP. But RPHPE, it's only going to be uh, whatever that projected price was. So, so the, key di- the key difference between those two products is the harvest price exclusion sets your revenue guarantee before planting when the pr- insurance purchase decision is made, and that guarantee doesn't change. That's right. With, that, the, RP, with yep. the RP product, if price goes up through the growing season, you get the benefit of that higher price in, in that it, it adds to your guarantee and your guarantee adjusts to that higher price point. That's right. And so uh, you'll have essentially more price protection with RP in that you're going to be protected more from price volatility. The RP HP, you don't really capture that, you know, uh, growing season uh, price volatility in between planting and harvest. So, you know, bringing it back to the original question, like, why is this important and how is this important for um, being more aggressive uh, with forward contracting? Well, you know, what little I do know about marketing is that if you don't have grain to to take some way, that grain elevator, grain elevator needs to be compensated and they need to be compensated for the value of that crop. So what revenue protection would allow you to do is, depending on you know which coverage you purchase, uh, you may be able to uh, uh, replace the value of the crop that was lost due to you know weather, drought, and use that indemnity payment to go to the elevator and uh, uh, essentially pay them for the value of the lost crop. 
Right. So that that mitigates the risk that the producer would 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 have to cover any shortfall out of their pocket. That's the, right. Uh, the indemnity would be there to cover that. Now, obviously, nobody wants to have to give their indemnity up to that, but that's better than having to pull it out of your pocket. That's right. And and I mean, think about this. If, uh, you know, if you have some July or August um, uh, price that you can book at for, you know, September, October delivery, that is very favorable. And, you know, we that's normally about the uh, about the time of the season where, where we're seeing those prices being the highest, um, you have more confidence to go ahead and book that higher price. And between the higher price that you booked and revenue protection, um, you may be better off than what you would originally think. And all of that assumes that the APH, the yield that, that is insurable to you as a producer, is a pretty accurate reflection of what you expect your production to be. That's right. And it assumes that you're getting a coverage level that's high enough that uh, that that you could book that additional volume. That's right. There are so many moving pieces, and uh, uh, coverage level is one of them. APH is one of them, and yeah, we have to assume that the APH, given that there's even enough yield history to calculate an accurate yield uh, yield APH. Um, I mean, if you've only got four years of data versus ten years of data, uh, you may not that that four years isn't hardly going to describe what your actual yield, you know distribution, so to speak, is going to be or what your possible yield might be for that growing season. Um, so, yeah, there's this, you know, is the APH representative or not? And that's a, I think that we can go down that road later if we want to. But then there's also the coverage level uh, uh, part of this. And so uh, in my discussions with farmers that I've had, uh, it, it sounds to me like about 70, 75 percent coverage is the most popular. And that is verified by RMA summary of business data. Uh, that's what I've seen uh, pretty much since the beginning of summary of business data from 89 forward. We're seeing mostly 70, 75 percent. Uh, 65% being very popular, uh, but not a whole lot in that 80, 85%, which are the, the, the highest two coverage levels. Right. Right. So a lot of complexity to this, uh, a lot of, uh, I think, some important caveats about, uh, about uh, you know, how close that coverage can be established to a farmer's actual expectation. But a, a key point here that these risk, and ma- risk management tools uh, do interlock and overlap in some important ways for farmers. Yeah, and you know, with with RP, something else that I want to that that I want to go ahead and reiterate on that I talked about last week is that there's an individual trigger there. So we, we're, we're looking at farm yield trigger for that revenue protection, and whereas right. you know we're not focusing as much on like for ARC, for instance, uh, has the county trigger. Now ARC's going to be under the commodity programs. That's not crop insurance, but still, uh, you have um, well, you're eliminating your basis risk uh, that that we talked about last week by signing up for RP because you have this farm level APH that you're going to be using to insure with. Right. So let's uh, let's think a little bit about what this implies for, for farmers uh, and, and the decisions that they're making right now. And usually when you're in the middle of a, of a, of a circumstance like this, it's, it's too late to change decisions very much. But Andy, what... What are some things that farmers could think about doing in response to this really weak basis situation that we're looking at? It's too late to go back and buy a higher level of crop insurance coverage, but what can we do now? 
Well, I mean, they could look at other interior market locations, which maybe are paying a higher basis than the river, but they'd have to factor in their own trucking rates to get it to those locations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending how close they are, that might not be feasible. The other alternative is to actually store the grain themselves and try to capture that return to storage that we talked about and maybe try to hit those later delivery periods. I think that's uh, something if you have the storage space and that capacity, that would be a good thing to think to do. Now, my guess is this uh, the situation where the interior elevators, the country elevators, uh, aren't reflecting as weak a basis as the river elevators, that won't last very long, probably, will it? It, it won't. All these markets are interconnected. And, you know, I, we talk about how basis ripples through the whole country, in effect. It's almost like... The Sith Nola market at New Orleans is a key market because it's the main export market for soybeans. And when, say, demand goes up at that New Orleans market, there's uh, an increase in basis reflected there. And it's like throwing a pebble into a pond. It ripples through the whole country and you get that increase in basis gradually. Well, I say gradually. How fast it happens just depends on a, a bunch of different things, but it'll increase throughout the country. Yeah. And, and so you're right, John, those interior market locations right now maybe have a higher basis uh, offering farmers a higher price than the river. But once those guys start to fill up, if, if you know the supply goes there, they're going to start lowering their bids. They don't need the yeah. beans anymore. It's going to come back to the river again when hopefully water levels start to rise again. Right. And so all these markets are interconnected, and it's really freight and cost between different locations yep. which separate those prices. Yep. Yeah, those signals propagate through the system pretty quickly, but uh, to the extent that the interior elevators have space, now, I can see a situation where as more people try to go to those elevators for the more attractive basis, there are bottlenecks there with delivery and all kinds of other issues that, that end up showing up maybe not only as weaker basis, but also as higher costs as you factor in time and fuel and all those other things. So That's that's right. Uh, I mean, I think this whole situation is really compounded that it's happening when it's happening right, right around harvest time because I've, I've looked at this as a research question before, and I know that there's seasonality in the barge freight rates, and they tend to be at their highest levels during harvest, no surprise, because that's when there's the greatest sure. demand for barges. Right. And so it's sort of compounding that, that effect. From the standpoint of Arkansas agriculture, it's, there probably couldn't be a worse time in the year for this to be going on, I would guess. I, yeah, I think that's right. Because we really are really getting into the heart of soybean harvest, and soybeans are the main crop that's going down the river. Almost half the crop is being exported. A lot of that's going through the Mississippi River system. Now with corn, we send a lot of corn down the river and obviously basis has been affected, but we've got other marketing channels for corn uh, compared to soybeans. Yeah, that's right. And so if you have other alternatives, then obviously you can use those alternatives and get the higher basis level at those, those other locations. Yeah. So we may see on corn that's uh, not going down the river, but instead coming up to northwest Arkansas to poultry feed mills, maybe it's a different situation. That's right. That's right. I mean, yep. you're going to go where the biggest buck is, right? So yeah, Absolutely. So uh, interesting situation. As I said, Andy, I know guys like us could sit around and talk about basis all day, but uh, most of our listeners probably don't have the tolerance for it that, that we do. So I think that's probably enough for one podcast. So I want to say, uh, Hunter Byram, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun to sign on from Little Rock. Absolutely. And uh, Andy, thank you again for uh, for joining us as always. And uh, we will sign off for this uh, Relevant Risk podcast. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
Thanks for listening to the Relevant Risk Podcast, a production of the Friar Price Risk Management Center of Excellence in the Department of Agricultural Economics and Agribusiness within the University of Arkansas System. The Friar Price Risk Management Center of Excellence carries out teaching activities through the Dale Bumpers College of Agricultural Food and Life Sciences at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville and research and extension activities through the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Visit friar-risk-center.uada.edu for more information. Thanks for listening.